For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from Quebec entrepreneurs. Uh, this is Josh Miller from F.L. Fuller Landau. The voice you are not hearing tonight is Mr. Dan Delmar. He's a little uh, under the weather, so uh, we extend our best to him and hope he uh, recovers quickly as uh, as spring is in the air, notwithstanding the fact that it's still really darn frigid outside. Today on the program, we are going to welcome uh, a couple of ladies, a couple of female entrepreneurs from Pronexia. It's a headhunting and recruitment agency that's been around uh, quite a few years, and we're going to hear their story. We're going they're going to talk about how they first got into it, uh, how you know they deal with basement recruiters, uh, you know how they they deal and try and help uh, company culture, uh, and of course being a female entrepreneur uh, in uh, and of course a male dominated entrepreneur society. So that's uh, that's coming up later in the program. But before we get there, uh, just a few little news items of the week, stuff that I've uh, been reading in and out uh, over the last few days. And it's there's no question there's a lo- always a lot of talk about entrepreneurs and their success stories uh, out there. We always hear about the great successes and everybody's making, you know, people are making millions and all the fun stuff. But the reality is there are so many failures. And we've heard on this program for, for many years as we're, we're coming to the end of our ninth season, uh, and our 200th show coming up soon, so uh, that that should be a lot of fun in May. The, but we always we definitely hear some great stories and some great screw ups, some great failures. Uh, you've heard on the program a little before. We also uh, FL and our sister P Vizio uh, co-founded uh, F Up Nights, Foul Up Nights uh, in Montreal. The next one being April 18th. That's going to take place at uh, Four Origins Brewery. But there's there's so much to be learned from failures. There's always so much more to be learned from making mistakes than from your successes. And, uh, and I, I fell across this, across this article in, uh, in Entrepreneur Magazine, and it was talking about some famous people that really screwed up over the years. So let me, let me list out a few of them. Uh, and you probably know, uh, you definitely know all the names here. Uh, maybe you know some of the stories, maybe you don't, but here we go. Steve Jobs. So as we all know, Steve Jobs did start uh, the Apple company. But the question is, did you know that in 85, he was fired from that company that he founded by the when the board of directors removed him? He moved on and he started a company called Next and he bought a little animation studio called Pixar. I'm sure people know that one. And in 97, he returned to Apple uh, and set it on the course to become one of the most valuable uh, publicly traded companies. But uh, he so he was he was let go from from Apple, but definitely came back. J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter fame. Uh, where she wrote all those books, was turned down at least a dozen times before Bloomsbury agreed to publish it. And th- that is something, and you're a writer and you're, you're trying to peddle your book, that's quite something. Everybody knows what the, what the Harry Potter franchise is today. But it's interesting, what she wrote and what she's written on Twitter before uh, is very interesting. It resounded with me. It was really, she wrote, I had nothing to lose and sometimes that makes you brave, em- brave enough to try. So sometimes as an entrepreneur, if you really, if you're not sure what that next step is, well, then if you really have nothing to lose, then keep going out there and push, push, push. Elon Musk, how can you not have a discussion about failure and not mention Elon Musk? Uh, Notwithstanding all the successes, uh, you know, at, at the beginning of his career, couldn't get a job at Netscape in the 90s fired from his job at PayPal as uh, CEO, but then, of course, you know, went on to, to with Tesla and, 
and uh, and SpaceX and all that. However, you know, there's there's still a lot of a lot of slowness and production uh, bottlenecks at Tesla and uh, the odd rocket explosion. So he has certainly come across his his share of uh, of failures. It's uh, it's now seven ten, and you're listening to Josh Miller from FL Montreal on today's Entrepreneur. Dan Delmar is unfortunately not with us tonight uh, as he's uh, battling a bit of a cold, but uh, we wish him well and to come back soon. And as we talk about some uh, some failures, there, there's a couple of others, a couple of other famous people that I'd like to mention that I read about. Barbara Corcoran. Barbara Corcoran, if you if you know that she's been on uh, on Shark Tank uh, over the years, but she started as a 22 year old waitress, got a loan from her boyfriend to launch a real estate firm, built the company, and then seven years in, she was blindsided when uh, when her boyfriend or or companion, whatever you want to call her, was blindsided when he told her that he was leaving and marrying her secretary. There's a, there's quite a rejection and failure that she had to come back from. And the last one that I'll, that I'll mention before moving on is Jeff Bezos. Now, Jeff Bezos, Bezos, uh, Amazon fame, when Amazon first started, it was really when the internet was first coming on, 1995. Uh, and every, every investor asked the very same question, the very first question. What's the internet? So go try and explain the internet to a lot of people. It's like go and explain to blockchain uh, some people that that just don't understand it. And in his first million dollars that he had to raise, it was about fifty thousand a person. He had to get it from over twenty people. So it was it was it was quite the uh, quite the thing. So so failure. You can learn a lot in failure. But the bottom line is, and as you've heard on many times in this program. The entrepreneurs get back up, dust themselves off, and whether you whether you try and try again with the same thing or you tweak what you have and you move on, there are so many so many lessons to be learned, and I would say people learn more from their failures. You know, we ask the we ask the entrepreneurs often on this show, what would you do differently? You have you have the knowledge you have today, you can transport it back to the beginning. What would you do differently? And ninety nine times out of a hundred, we got the same answer. I wouldn't change a thing because. The errors that I made, I learned so much, and that's what brought me on the path today. So let's switch it up a little bit. Uh, we talk a little bit about, there was an article um, in the Financial Post, Small Business Pro- Prosperity Lies Beyond Canada's Borders. And really, it's, it's, if, you're a, if you're a small business, uh, you might think to yourself, well, how can I really sell beyond the borders? But the reality is, in today's world with, uh, with e-commerce and the world getting smaller and everybody looking for the right product, it's actually not too difficult to sell beyond your borders. But you have to do it smartly. The article focused on a, a honey company called Nude Bee Honey Company. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm sure the bees were were clothed during the exercise, and the but uh, but Nude Bee Company uh, really found that uh, that niche in Taiwan where it, honey was used for medicinal purposes. So they were able to explore there. And I think as a small business, you really you really have to realize that there's so many more. Uh, so much, so much more e-commerce going on. Everybody really knows that. Uh, you know, in in 2016, you had 22 Americans shopped online from Canadian businesses alone, spending close to nine billion dollars. Uh, e-commerce sales climbed 30 percent in 2017. They're estimated to hit close to 57 billion this year. So it, it's really there. But but w- what are the strategies? What really can? And this article talked about added a couple of strategies that entrepreneurs should consider when when looking across border opportunities. And I'll highlight a couple of them. Start with a familiar territory. If you 
if you think your product is going to sell in, in China, know the Chinese market. Most often people understand the U.S. economy because it's really, it's, you know, it's really close to us and, and start there. If you think your product is going to do better in a, in a we'll call it a, a more foreign territory, uh, something that's not really normal, then by all means, check it out. Go investigate it. Get a partner over there. Anything, something that's going to help help ease it. You know, English is a common language, so use that as a base or find out where the demand is. If you have a product where you know that there's a huge demand, you know, and, and this honey uh, was, was an exercise where, they, where in Taiwan it was a huge demand, well, then certainly go there. I would say the other things when you're thinking about e-commerce is reduce those barriers to checkout. Uh, offering, you know, safe, secure, familiar payment options uh, customers can recognize is absolutely essential. Um, and of course, naturally get help. If you don't know, uh, then by all means ask, uh, entrepreneurs sometimes don't always want to ask for help. They sometimes think they, they know it all. I'm telling you, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, nobody knows it all. So know your weaknesses. And that's really, that's really great. Today on the program, we're going to have two female entrepreneurs from Pronexia. They are Moran Elrar and Marina Bejanova. And they are going to join us uh, shortly, and they're going to talk about their recruiting agency. As well, later on in the program, we're going to bring in Micheline Mayette from P Visio, and she's going to chat about uh, company culture and recruiting and how maybe maybe companies themselves can help themselves instead of just going out and, and peddling their name. Because if you have a great place to work at and work for, then people will come to you. So stay tuned for that coming up. Professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's entrepreneur inspiring stories from Quebec entrepreneurs. The voice you are not hearing tonight, unfortunately, is Dan Delmar. He is off a little under the weather, so we wish him well. Uh, but notwithstanding that, we have uh, two phenomenal entrepreneurs in the room uh, from Pronexia. We have Marina, Marina Bajanova, because she's been making fun of me about screwing up her name. So Marina Bajanova and Moran Elrar uh, of Pronexio. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You are most welcome. I'm actually really looking forward to this uh, to this program. There's there's so much to talk about. I know we're not going to have enough time, uh, but so let's jump right into it. Pronexia. What is Pronexia? And by the way, if we don't have enough time, you're always welcome to have us back, Josh. Uh, well, this is already back. By the way, Marina's <laughs> been here before. There's another business that she has called Lay Labs, where uh, where they train and teach uh, how to do marketing online, and they they started a uh, a school for that. Uh, so we had them on uh, earlier in the season, and now it was time for for Pernexia. So feel, let's hear about that. I feel like such a serial entrepreneur, you know, such an overused uh, phrase, but I'm here to talk about another business. Um, but uh, really our baby with Moran, Pronexia is a headhunting firm. It's the first business that we started seven years ago now. I mean, time really flies. Um, so Pronexia is a headhunting firm, and we're in the midst of really exciting times for the business. We're transitioning it into a culture branding and headhunting firms. So our focus is becoming helping companies audit their company culture, um, devise employer branding strategy, and still headhunt because that is our biggest passion still. Now, where did Pronexia start? I mean, did you, have you guys known each other forever? Where did the idea come from? 
Um, so Pronexia, you know, we were both in the field of recruitment and had a love for it. Um, and then timing changed things. So just quick, long story short, I um, had my first baby. And what better time to start a business than when you're on mat leave? Um, and so I recruited Marina or attempted really hard to get her on board. Um, and timing had it that she was also just having a baby. So it was um, our stars were aligned and we decided to join forces and start Pronexia. Now, I was going to save this this question for later in the program, but you you know, you've already said it twice. You, you had a child while starting this business, so you both did. How did you manage? How, do you ba- how did you balance? How, what worked for you? What didn't work for you? Um, yeah, that's a heavy question. Um, so had a child, yeah, and then three more, and then two more for Marina. So, we have five between the two of us. Yeah, lots All of children. Eight years of age and younger, nine? Yeah. Nine and yeah. younger, yeah. Do you time your cycles? Like, are they all one off? <laughs> what an awkward question, Josh. <laughs> Our cycles are right on point, just so you know. Marina actually the other day was like, am I on time right now? And I was like, yeah, you're, it'll come tomorrow. This is getting so personal, yeah. Um, so how did you balance? You, you, you're really you're um, starting a new business. Yeah. You have baby. So what, what worked? The, the, the straight answer is there is no balance. I just want to make that clear because there still is no balance. Um, I think it's just you know, prioritizing, having good partners at on the home front and having good partners in the business. I don't, I, I wouldn't be able to do it without Marina. Um, we balance each other. So as much as our cycles are on point, <laughs> our phases differ. And so having a partner has just been monumental. We're speaking with uh, <clears throat> Marina Bajanova and Moran Elavar of Pronexia. Uh, you guys have been partners since the beginning. Have you always had the same roles? Do you step on each other's feet? Do you collaborate a lot? Do you fight a lot? Like, how do you how do you work together in that way? You know, we get this question a lot because uh, partnerships, business partnerships, are notorious for not um, working out and for being the cause of demise of so many different businesses. Uh, when I joined the Entrepreneurs Organization uh, here in Montreal, I think that's the question that I that I got the most. You have a business partner, ooh, you know how does that work? Uh, but yes, we're not, you know, not to be cheesy and not to be repetitive, but uh, we do not step on each other's toes. We do complement each other still, and we're seven years down. I think in marriage, it's what year number seven is the really challenging one there's no seven year Um, itch here though let's just say we're eight because we passed seven Okay, seven and yeah. a half. <laughs> we're in the middle. Uh, but so, no, our roles are very different. You know, when we first started, Josh, we started, you know, we were renting out business um, basement space um, in, in a very fancy, nice location, but a basement. And so Moran was on the phone doing business development, doing sales and looking for clients. And I was on the phone recruiting. Our roles have evolved. We, we're still very much involved in the business on those ends. Um, but Moran is more sales, finance, um, operations, and I'm still in recruitment and now also culture audits, culture assessments and employer branding. Just, yeah, to add to that, um, my father, who's, you know, another cheesy statement, one of my mentors and just as an entrepreneur growing up in a household where entrepreneurship was valued, showed, communicated, um, you know, he also kind of warned me against getting a partner when I started, when we started the business. Um, And today, you know, he's like another father and mentor to Marina and is often tells me how lucky I am to have a partner. So when you first started, anybody ever tell you don't even start? Like, uh, why are you going to go into business? To be honest, for me, no, not at all. 
Um, For I, me, yes. Yeah. Big time. I mean, I come Different. from the Soviet Union. I was born and raised in the Soviet Union. I came um, to Canada when I was 16 after high school. What entrepreneurship? I mean, that didn't exist as a concept when I was growing up. So when I was telling my parents, and you know, at the time I had, you know, a cushy corporate job. I was climbing the corporate ladder. Um, you know, I was any immigrant parent's dream child because I had, you know, office with a view on the 18th floor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we could come take pictures and send them back home. So it was great. Um, so, no, of course, I would say 99% of people told me not to start and that it was too risky. And especially, you know, having a baby on the way. Um, oh, I got no's. I was the yes complete opposite. My my family was like, why aren't you already doing this? Oh, you're having a baby. Perfect timing. How can we help? What can we do? Um, yeah, I guess it depends on the family, the culture, where you've been raised and this and, and, and there's no, and there's no question but but I'm glad you know your dad was there certainly as a as, as a mentor uh, you know father figure and mentor mm -hmm. certainly to give guidance uh, and there's definitely a team around you as well is it is not just the two of you so uh, there's, so there's no doubt about Absolutely that not. Uh, so we we have lots lots more to talk about we're going to talk about human resource we're going to talk about your marketing little exclusivity uh, you know what do you you know have you ever said no to a client how do you deal with cash flow when you're first starting a business and of course you're both female entrepreneurs, which is great. Did anybody ever treat you not so well because you were female entrepreneurs? So a lot of that coming back uh, when, when we return. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur. Uh, inspiring stories from Quebec entrepreneurs. In studio with us, we have Moran Elrar and Marina Bajanova of Pronexia. And we're a little later on in the program, we're going to welcome Michelin Mayette of uh, P-Visio uh, to talk about some human resource challenges and culture and recruitment and all that, all that fun stuff. But in the meantime, and I feel like we're going to go through a lightning round here with Moran and Marina because there's so much that we want to address. Uh, but we're going to start with, you know, you are a recruiting uh, agency, you are a headhunting agency, but yet you do have your own team. So talk to us about your team and what you look for, how you, how you find, has it been easy to find people for yourself? You know, we often joke, we have this internal joke at the office because we, we fire a lot of clients and we also say no to a lot of business. And uh, we've said on many occasions, jokingly, I hope it's, it is a joke, but we've said that if we were a client, we would have fired ourselves by now because we are the most picky, the most difficult client quote unquote, that we've ever had. Um, we have, we're absolutely fortunate to right now have a team of absolute A players. Um, and because they are in the market, they're dealing with companies that are looking to hire, they get recruited by our clients or potential clients all the time. So it's just a testament to the absolutely phenomenal team that we have. We're very fortunate to have them. So what do you look for? Are you looking for certain assets, certain skills? Are you looking more on the character and attitude side? What do you look for? So firstly, character comes above all um you know and i think that you know we tell our clients as much as we tell ourselves we can train on skill and you can't train or teach or you know own soft skills and so you could look at our team and where they all come from completely different backgrounds um education wise and also experience and professional wise um for us really we're looking for character that that aligns with our values that that fits our culture before experience so 
we really don't even consider the CVs so strongly when we're hiring for ourselves. Um, and so you, you know, our clients will hear that from us too, where we're, we're really suggesting that they look past just a CV and just what's on the paper. But you still have to narrow it down. So you got to start somewhere. For sure. Yeah. And we have different skill sets internally where we have, you know, the client strategists that are more sales focused and, but that type of personality. And then we have recruiters that are more researching and headhunting. And so obviously they have skills that are relevant. Um, but the personalities come first. Now, I want to pick up on something you said earlier, Marina, saying no to customers. You've actually said no to customers. And have you, did you say that early on when you first started? Uh, we did. And, you know, this goes um, way back to when Moran and I were first, um, you know, first started the business. I think maybe our month three of uh, Pernex Sabine Incorporated is uh, when, when we had that experience. So when we first started the business, one thing that we did that we did right from the beginning, because we certainly did a lot of things that were not right, mm-hmm. um, but we sat down and we determined what our vision was for the business, what the mission was, and what the values were. And one of our core values from that day one when we were still on Moran's patio, um, you know, coming up with a quote-unquote business plan was wow candidate experience and so not client experience but candidate experience and it's becoming more of a buzz phrase right now but seven and a half years ago it wasn't really talked about candidates were looked at as you know sort of the inventory and you know in and out Um, for us it was important and then we realized that we are only as good at living through with our values as our clients our clients reputation becomes our reputation and if our clients are not aligned with our values then that becomes a problem so month three of pernexia's existence we fired a huge account that might have been the only really account that we had at the time. You know, money flowing in, we're filling positions, and they provided really poor candidate experience to one of our candidates. And we said no, and we walked away from that um, business, which was really painful. But it made us realize that we were aligned and that it was a true value. You know, when we do culture audits for our clients, we always tell them, when you look at your values, your values have to incur real pain to your business. And what that means is how far are you ready to have um, you know you live in your company value affect the bottom line if you're not if you would look the other way then it's not a real value so for us it has been we're talking with Moran LRR and Marina Vijanova of Pronexia and so what you're trying to say is no money in the bank and you fired a client it hurts. Yeah. I remember that moment when uh, Moran did the final, because they kept calling us back. They thought that what we did was really cool and really impressive, and other recruiters don't do it. So they kept calling us back, and it kept escalating to more and more senior level. And then the last phone call was when um, a vice president of a sister company called and said, you know what, great what you did. Forget about those entry-level roles, which is what we were working on originally. We will give you two executive positions exclusivity only will work with you because we really respect what you did and you will work on those positions and I remember that moment of Moran staring at me from across a very narrow desk we had a very 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 small office at the time and she's staring at me I can't hear what's happening on the other side of the line and she goes with all due respect if you do not treat all of your employees internally the same way um, then we're not the right partner for you and she hangs up the phone and she goes what have I done? <laughs> we don't have any money in the bank. I was super scared in the moment. <laughs> I was thinking, oh gosh, is Marina going to be on the same page? Is she going to think I'm crazy? How am I saying no to business? Um, so I felt like it was a risk, but within a minute, you know, she confirmed that we were aligned. And I was so proud. That's that's Aww. that's. Great. I still am. <laughs> exclusivity. You mentioned exclusivity before. Is that 
uh, mandatory? Like over the years, you you must be exclusive with your customers. What's been the philosophy that you've taken? Well, right now, about you no, know, it took us a very long time to build because exclusivity is not something that our business is known about. It's everybody fighting for the same. The piece industry, of the, pie. the industry is is such, right? It's Absolutely, no. Yeah. Recruitment industry is exceptionally competitive, right? And there's just more than than anybody can even keep track of. Uh, but now, as it stands today, seven years into the business, about ninety percent of the mandates that we have right now, our clients are working with us on an exclusive basis, which is which is quite incredible and quite quite an accomplishment on the side of our team. I think it's also just an, an easier way to, for us also to filter out companies that aren't aligned. It, it was hard to swallow the pill and say, okay, we're just going to work with companies that want to be exclusive because not many companies do. But once we started demanding that more, we just saw clearly how aligned we were with our clients. You're two uh, successful female entrepreneurs. Was it difficult to gain respect in an industry? Did you ever feel slighted in any way as a female business person? They're looking That's at each hot, other. By the way, it's radio. They're looking yeah. at each other. I think, who's going first? That's a, who's going to be the most honest? question. <laughs> yeah. Um, no names. Well, you don't have to say who slighted yeah. you. I think that um, both of us have have confirmed with each other lately that it's it's been more recent that we've felt the difference being a female entrepreneur versus just an entrepreneur or just a business person. Um, you know, the I think the the more success that we see. Um, the more we're involved in different organizations and different boards and a lot more senior networking, that's where we've been starting to feel a little bit of a different type of vibe from from the counterpart, let's just say. Marina, do you have a, a different answer? She'll be answer? a little more explicit. Oh, damn it. <laughs> or pressure, don't. pressure, pressure. She's uh, from the Soviet <laughs> Union. She's just going to bring it out. Yeah. Uh, pressure. Um, I agree with Moran in that it has been more recent. I think that once, you know, barrier to entry as far as starting the business, there, there's none. They're all the same, male or female. It's once you are scaling the business. It's once you become, you know, a million-dollar business, multi-million in revenue. Then, of course, you're, you know, you've scaled to a different league and uh, different things. But, yeah, I get a lot of questions of, you know, oh, you have employees? You know, you have an office? office you do um and then a whole sort of other level of respect but uh but yeah absolutely there are differences yeah i think also just um it's it's i also get more questions about anything not related to my business a lot of the time i feel like why are you always asking me about my home front or my kids or you know and how are you balancing all that versus you know where's the business at are you growing or it's also not just the questions, but the lack of questions. But, you know, one of the things that I recently read is that um, people will take a salary cut or will accept an offer that's on average $3,500 less if they're working for a man versus a woman. So there's also that. Isn't that very, crazy? very interesting. And I, I'm sure we could chat about this for for a long time. Uh, thank you for your, your thoughts on that. We're talking with uh, Marina and Moran from Pronexia. And uh, coming up, we're going to talk culture and recruiting uh, with Michelin Mayette from P Visio is going to come in and join the conversation. And of course, uh, the one piece of advice that Marina and Moran will give towards the end of the program. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 
Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from Quebec entrepreneurs. This is Josh Miller from FL Fuller Landau. Uh, Dan Delmar not with us tonight, a little under the weather, so uh, always wishing him well. And uh, we have on the program with us uh, tonight Marina Bajanova and Moran Elarar of Pronexia. We're going to get their one piece of advice coming up in a moment. But first, first we welcome Michelin Mayette Hi, back in studio. Uh, welcome, welcome, Michelin. And uh, we're going to chat. Uh, you know, we, you know, recruitment is on the brain tonight, uh, and culture a little bit too. So, I, I guess the question that I have that I, I'd love to explore on the challenge is: there is a lot of recruitment that's going on. It is, it is a dog eat dog. It is, it is tough. The employment rate is down. Uh, so companies can actually help themselves. Uh, you know, show off their culture a little bit. Hopefully, they have a good culture to show off. So, what what kind of comes to mind when you're talking about that? I mean, for sure, uh, you know, some entrepreneurs realized it a while ago. Others are just realizing it now that the candidates really are the ones that have to buy into you, and not. I mean, yes, the other way around, but it's equally important that the candidate, uh, you know, be sold on why they should work for your company. Uh, but it's one thing to sell yourself and one thing to sell, um, you know, something that's not true. So, you know, first you can't, of all, you can't always fake that stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you have to look at, you know, attraction. Obviously, you want to be able to attract people to your company and you have to think that people are, are assessing you, you know, based on the first phone call that they get. So whether it's through an agency and the way that they represent themselves or the first interview that they're going uh, to your company. So, you know, sometimes we see companies where they say, I don't, I don't understand, candidates are not interested in coming to work for us after the first interview. So, I mean, that's the time to really take a hard look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, what is it that you're not, you're, you know, you should be doing better um, and how you're presenting yourself or what you have to offer. How, how much does it have to do with interview skills in and of itself? For sure, you want to have the right people representing your company. So the people that are in the interviews should be representing uh, your, your values and what you have to offer. So they have to also be in that mindset of while I'm assessing the candidate, they're also assessing me. And so how, you know, how am I going to present, you know, why they should come work for us? Um, but, you know, sometimes if, for example, uh, right now, a lot of people are looking for flexibility. And there's some companies that, for whatever reason, don't want to offer flexibility. And so they have candidates coming um, and who are not coming back after or are not interested. So I think it's, you know, at that point, if you're having trouble filling your positions, at, at one point it's going to have an impact on the bottom line. So you really have to look at what your practices are internally, what your culture is like, um, to see what you need to be adjusting to remain competitive. And, you know, culture is big, and, and I'll turn to Moran and Marina because you were mentioning a culture audit earlier on in the program. What are you seeing with your with your clients, customers, and what are you kind of suggesting to them how they should improve to attract? Um, it's a very big question, and, um, you know, one that we realize has become more and more important over the years. I mean, we were speaking with Micheline earlier, and unemployment rates are at record low. So it, it's always been hard to recruit really good people, which essentially is the aim of any company, is not to just hire, but hire right. Now it's become incredibly di incredibly difficult. And we've heard businesses talk about company culture and employer branding for many years, but nobody has really been able to define it. So you ask somebody what's company culture and it's, uh, you know, it's very fluffy, right? It's shared beliefs and shared values. And okay, but as an HR professional or an, an entrepreneur, what do you do with that? So uh, we've developed a really precise methodology on auditing a company's culture. And then we help companies with their employer branding strategy to then take all of that and, you know, market the company externally as an employer. 
You know, Michelin, and what we're talking about recruiting, when you're when you're kind of posting an ad, how much do you do you suggest you talk about company culture, or is it really just the position? And they'll do their own research online to see what it is. Um, obviously, the ad could still represent you. I mean, the fact is that ads today are not bringing back a lot of candidates to begin with because there's not a lot of active mm -hmm. job searchers. Um, so often it's more question when you're approaching people. I mean, the first thing they do once they know the name of the company is they're, they're going to go look up uh, the company name, the website, uh, what people are saying about them on social media, uh, what people are saying about them on like ex-employees or current employees are saying about them on Rate Your Employer and Glassdoor and stuff like that. So. I mean, stuff is out there. So you have to make sure that you are actually treating people well once they get in the door too. If not, it is something that's you know generally going to be well, is going to be known if people do their research properly. Yeah, I'll, to add to that, I think also what you know we've learned over the, the years when we're interviewing and meeting our clients, so the companies and understanding the role that we're working on, the most important question for us is really, you know, what's the hook? What's the culture? How are we going to be selling this to our candidates? And it's the hardest question for them to answer every time. No question. And at, at the end of the day, companies can really help themselves and can sell themselves if they can show that they have the right culture. Thank you very much sure. to the three of you. That's a, it's, it's a great topic, something I'm sure we can explore more of. But as we approach the last moment of our show, we'll, we'll turn to uh, Marina and Moran and ask you each, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. Marina? Uh, well, as Micheline very correctly pointed out, uh, people are applying to job ads less and less. So recruitment and hiring can no longer be treated as, you know, on a tactical level. It has to be approached on a strategic level. So you need to look at your employer branding and talent attraction strategy for the year from a strategic standpoint. You know, analyze your culture, audit your culture. You have to do that at least every couple of years and develop a hiring strategy. Even if you're hiring a couple of people per year, you still need to adopt a strategic approach so that when you do need to hire somebody, all the pieces of the puzzle are in there. Thanks, Moran. Um, yeah, so for advice for an entrepreneur, I would say my number one thing is, you know, for lack of better word, just hustle. I think a lot of entrepreneurs or, you know, wannabe entrepreneurs are waiting for the perfect idea or the perfect plan and something new. Um, but I think that you just got to go with it. You got to. Excellent. Thank you very much to Moran Elrar and Marina Bajanova of Pronexia. Thank you very much for joining us and sharing your story. And thanks to Micheline Thank Mayette from PVizio and uh, talking about that culture and recruiting. Uh, thanks to you for listening at home. Uh, for today's entrepreneur, uh, we are finishing up. If you want to hear past shows, uh, please don't hesitate. Go to flmontreal.com in the community section and listen to our 190 some odd past shows, 200 shows coming up real soon. Have a great night.